Good morning. Have you got me yet? I've got a red light, so I don't know what you got up there. <laughs> it's great again to be able to uh, gather together to worship our God. Um, I was honoured with that um, first song at uh, Les Murdy. Uh, when I was there, we uh, hit um, a big scene in youth ministry there and had uh, well over 400 young people on our books. And I became known as the Ancient of Days. And then I discovered it was circulated by my youth pastor, affectionately known as Hamo. We had a great relationship and still do. So any time now I've spelt that song for you because you'll think of me instead of the real ancient of days. Our TV news broadcasts of the last few months have been filled with images of the bushfires that we've had around our country and continue to experience across our nation. But one of the things that has struck me uh, in the grabs of TV coverage that I've seen from time to time is the need for it, in fact, the significance and the power of touch in the midst of all that's going on. A hug, a shoulder to cry on, a hand on a shoulder, holding hands, a firm handshake. And I'd, I'd want to suggest to you that touch is more than that physical thing. I can remember when a load of hay arrived at a farmer's property and the stranger in the cabin stepped out to greet the farmer. So the load of hay was, was actually the touch. But then the embrace of these strangers. And it turns out this guy had been doing bushfire runs like this for years and had been to that place before and had kept up with this guy. Touch. These are expressions of compassion and care, of relief, sadness and grief at the personal loss of family, of friends, of property. Sometimes just sheer joy at the reunion of someone with a loved one who'd thought to be missing. And in some cases, uh, as I've seen the hugs, I'm not sure that the person understands what's been happening to the one they're hugging, but what they're saying is, I am with you in this. You know what? Contemporary research indicates that we all benefit from touch and hug therapy. You seem to love it. L let's, let's just go back to the greeting time. There's a warmth as there's embraces, kisses, touches, hugs, warm greetings. It feels good, doesn't it? In the family of God. Hug and touch therapy. Researchers have shown that endorphins, which create sensations of pleasure, are produced in our bodies with positive experiences of physical touch. Some research indicates it increases life expectancy. So if you want to live longer, just make a good hugger. Psychologists have found that the greater the physical distance a couple maintains during conversation, the more likely they are to be dissatisfied with their marriage. And the more likely, ultimately, they are to get 
divorce. And while I was at uh, Les Murdy as pastor there, we increased marriage enrichment uh, stuff there for the congregation and used to take groups of people away. And I submitted myself to the first one that we did. And partway through, we were um, kind of ordered to sit. Chairs like these individual chairs facing each other with knees touching and then grab each other's hands ready to have a conversation and then to look each other in the eye. The eye is the window to the soul. The power of touch. So one day a man covered with leprosy comes right up to Jesus. And in biblical times, leprosy was a dreadful, feared disease. Leprosy is a neurological disorder that numbs feeling. And so there's no sensitivity to pain. Dr. Paul Brand was a leading researcher of leprosy in the 20th century, spending much of his career uh, helping lepers in India. He's written a brilliant book, um, and I've lost the name of the title because I didn't write it down. And he writes of trying to get into a padlock gate but the rusty lock wouldn't yield to his key. A young leper put his finger into the lock and twisted it until the lock opened. And when he pulled his finger out, Brand saw that it had been gnashed to the bone because the boy couldn't feel it. That's the effect of leprosy. A leper could therefore get really badly disfigured. And if the sores resulting from such damage of the skin and flesh become ulcerated, apparently the stench is absolutely intolerable. It's called a painless hell. And the Old Testament had a great number of laws around leprosy and diseases like it. And just a couple of verses out of Leviticus 13, so we get the scene. Leviticus 13, verse 45. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. Can, can you just imagine the shame of that? As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. So leprosy, though, is not just a physical disease. A person was socially isolated outside the city and in a camp, but they were also religiously or ritually unclean, an incredible stigma. They could not meet with the people of God. If a leper poked their head into your house, your home became unclean and you would have to go through a cleansing process according to Old Testament law. There was to be no contact with other humans because they would make other people and things ritually unclean. So the message to the lepers was quite clear. Don't touch Is your mind going, what would it feel like to be never touched again? Never to feel the hug of a little child. Never feel the hand of a friend grasping yours. The embrace of your spouse. The warm arm of your father draped over your shoulder. What would that be like? Lepers were treated as if they were dead people. It was a walking death. 
picture the physical disfiguration, the social isolation, the ritual uncleanness, the stigma, the shame of a leper. They felt totally unacceptable. And some groups of Jews of the day only compounded issues for those with leprosy because they concluded that the leprosy was a result of sin. And so it compounded the problem. You might find this hard to believe, but on two different occasions after I was diagnosed with cancer, I had strong believing Christians who said to me I needed to search out my life for sin in it so the cancer would go. Still around today, this direct connection. But the interesting thing about the leper in this story is that he was actually in the town instead of outside it and he came moving towards Jesus crying out, unclean, unclean, unclean. Instead of going outside the city and into isolation, he was in the town and we read that the leper fell with his face to the ground and begged Jesus, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. I'll be socially back in favour again. I will not be isolated religiously. Life will turn around amazingly for me if you will heal me. And you can. The leper has no doubts whether Jesus could cleanse him. He just doubts that Jesus would want to. He has a deep sense of unworthiness and he's overcome with complete shame. This is really an incredible picture. A leper, one of the untouchables of the day, prostrating himself before Jesus with faith in his heart. He approaches Rabbi Jesus because that's who Jesus was in the Jewish tradition. He was a rabbi, one of their teachers. He was approaching God himself. And it caused me to ask the question, what quality did Jesus have that the other rabbis did not? That the other leaders of the day did not have? It was simply that Jesus was approachable and not just with lepers. This happened on a regular basis with prostitutes, tax collectors, Gentile pagans, with rag dolls of all kinds. And while that was going on, the other rabbis stood around going, tut, 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 tut. You see, they were the unapproachable isolationists, the scribes and the Pharisees and their followers, while people flocked to Rabbi Jesus. Jesus had the kind of profound differentness that drew sinners towards him. And the Pharisees had the kind of superficial differentness that pushed people away the pharisees had a strategy of isolation to avoid the contagion of sin and suffering and you know what i understand the appeal of that strategy of isolation when i look at my innocent little grandsons three of whom just happened to be here this morning and a few of the other grandsons don't look so innocent and a granddaughter 
and think about how the world is full of destructiveness, I'd love to quarantine those little ones. I can see a few grandparents out there. You know what I mean, don't you? I'd love to kind of be able to put a sign around their necks that says, if you're into substance abuse, casual sex, destruction of property, disrespect of people, dropping out or bizarre body piercing, keep away, don't touch, quarantined. But you know what? It doesn't work that way and I know it doesn't because I've been raised by three kids. And you can't quarantine them. At least I couldn't quarantine mine. It was healthy for them not to be quarantined. Throughout history, religious or Christian people have been attracted to the strategy of isolation. Avoid sinful people and live in religious quarantine. You know there are places in America where your kids can go through the Christian kindy, the Christian school, the Christian high school, the Christian university and the Christian workplace. Isolated. Quarantined. Never meet someone who doesn't know Jesus or can do it for a long while. The problem is when we do this, we come to view the world as us versus them. Didn't God create all of us? All of us with value and worth. It's not an us-them world. The quarantine becomes a greenhouse for the most destructive sins of pride, self-righteousness and self-exclusivity. In isolation, love dies. Humility and compassion and generosity of spirit all suffocate. In Jesus, God makes it clear that he has forever rejected the strategy of isolation. In Jesus, we see true spirituality makes a person more approachable, not less. Jesus is the most approachable person who ever lived. So there's a really important question I ask myself here. Am I becoming more or less approachable? It's a good question to ask of yourself. Am I becoming more or less approachable? Let's get back to the story. Don't touch, remember, is the story. The leper made no attempt to touch Jesus. The leper understood the situation. He knew the law, so he was just there at the feet of Jesus, begging for healing. What did Jesus do? Mark tells us he had compassion on us, and the rest of the Gospels say, and he reached out, and touched the untouchable. Jesus touched the leper while the leper was still unclean. This would have scandalized anyone who's watching, particularly any religious people who are watching, because to touch a leper was to be regarded as unclean yourself, cut off from the community of faith. So in other words, Jesus in reaching out the touch was kind of begging this being cut off. You know what? Jesus didn't need to touch the leper to cleanse him, did he? He performed other miracles at a distance. All he had to do was say the word. You'll hear he did it over kilometers, remember? 
If you read the Gospels, someone comes to him. You know, some of my family, some way away over there, and Jesus says, they'll be healed. Go home. Done. Didn't have to touch this leper. You see, what the touch did was to take away the stigma, was to take away the shame, was to take away the isolation and to welcome back into the community. It let the leper know that he was valuable and acceptable. You see, the miracle of the touch is that Jesus was willing to share another person's suffering to bring about healing. That's what the touch does. This is a foreshadowing of the cross, Jesus taking onto himself our sin so that we could take on his life. He touches us in such a way that he absorbs our sin and gives us life. In a contagious world, we learn to keep our distance. And if we get too close to those who are suffering, we might get infected with their pain. That's what a lot of us worry about. It might not be convenient. It might not be comfortable. But only when we get close enough to catch their hurt will they be close enough to catch our love, God's love. Really important. Only when we get close enough to catch their hurt will they be close enough to catch our love, God's love. Jesus did not call us, his followers, to live in quarantine. He called us to be a kind of hospital, actually better than that, to be the ambulance that gets out amongst it. Every day we brush up against people of incalculable valuable value to God, of incalculable worth to God. They're in your family. They're where you study. They're in your workplace. They're where you relax. They're where you play your sport. And we don't know what's going on in their lives. Whether it's an adult who's manifesting being abused as a child. Do you know what I mean? We just don't know their story. But every one of them carries a price tag. If only we could see it. And that price tag is this, worth the life of my son. Worth the life of my son. Will we respect and value those that we touch. Now can I just expand this touch out of the physical area? It can be just simply a smile. It can be a kind act. You know the guy who, there was a convoy left Perth here three or four weeks ago of trucks out of the um, Harvey area who'd got burnt out a few years ago. There was 15 double trailered semis going across to Cooma with hay they'd grown themselves to take to the Coomerites who'd burnt out. That's touch. That's touch. Believe me, getting those vehicles up into Cooma wouldn't have been that easy. That's touch. It's a listening ear. It's, can I make a cuppa for you and we can just sit down and have a chat? It's simple little things, a kind word. See, when we reach out to the untouchables in our world, 
and we don't know who they are, we are signing up or could be signing up for pain and that's what worries us. God's world is full of people who have signs though that say, please touch me. That was the sign inside the leper. Will someone just touch me? We may not want to. We may be afraid, we may be shy, we may be too busy, but it is only when people are touched in their brokenness that healing comes. It's in the act of touch that we become most present and real to each other. You know, there are people in your world today who are waiting for someone to touch them. Will that be you? Put an arm on their shoulder, say a kind word, whatever it is. Embrace a child. Please touch. No one would touch a leper. It was in the law. Because everybody knew that what would happen. You'd become in, you could become infected with leprosy, but more importantly, you'd be declared unclean. But something stronger than leprosy is at work in this story. Luke says Jesus touched the man and immediately the leprosy left him. I'd love to be there to see it. <laughs> Can you picture that scene? This outcast, this untouchable of society, healed immediately he's open for hugs he's open to be included back in the worshipping community no more stigma no more shame no more unapproachable no more, no more going down the street going unclean 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 the leper did not infect jesus with his sickness, with his uncleanness. Jesus infected the leper with his life. The life that flooded in and through Jesus was so strong that leprosy simply could not coexist with it. And sin and suffering are not all that is, in, that is contagious, thank God. So is enthusiasm, so is laughter, so is faith itself. I think one of the reasons why you enjoy your greeting time is you're meeting others of faith and you love that contagion and love that encouragement that comes from it. I do anyway. So I'll come around and give you a hug any time and say, isn't it great to be in the same family of Jesus? It's beautiful. So contagion is great. You get near someone with all these qualities and you discover it's catching. It works both ways. And Jesus twice used the image of yeast in his teaching. And yeast is a picture of contagion. You take a little lump of yeast, put it in a little bit more flour and soon you have a loaf of bread. The little bit of contagious leaven 
changes the whole. So it is with the kingdom of God, Jesus says. It cannot be stopped. Ever since Jesus, the yeast has been at work. It may look small and insignificant, just a touch here, there, an action of love. There's something where you care, where there's an act of compassion, where you accept someone, where you understand them, where you treat them as people with worth and dignity. It may look unimpressive at the time, but like a lump of yeast, Jesus says, just keep watching, be patient. The darkness soon won't stand a chance. It's just a matter of time. And the atmosphere will change. Um, several of the churches I've pastored, we've had uh, school chaplains in those churches. And in a couple, um, working with the chaplain, we set up that they would put on a morning tea in the schools where they were chaplain as a way of saying thank you to the staff. So the churches would get behind the chaplains, provide a morning tea for the school, the, the school staff and say thank you. And in several cases, the first two or three morning teas were fairly poorly attended by the staff. I don't know whether they thought one of us was going to get up and preach or something or other. Not sure. But as they saw, this was a genuine act of love to say thank you. Those staff rooms were full and you couldn't get the teachers back to their classrooms. Little by little, the little care, the little touch, it was touched with Jesus, began to change the hearts and minds of those teachers. I loved watching it. The touch that says, we care and we thank you for teaching in our community. The secret of spiritual life is not to isolate ourselves from sin and suffering. That would be impossible even if we wanted it to be, unless you live in a different world to me. Jesus lived on the same contaminated planet as the rest of us live on. That's the glorious message of the incarnation. God becoming man just like you and me. Now I know our immune systems are a little broken. We sang about it a little earlier. But we're welcome to Jesus, broken as we are. So the secret to being able to touch others is to be filled with the life of Jesus. And we'll find that we'll be able to infect the world instead of the world infecting us. And once the leper was changed, he had a bug. He was contagious in a different way. Because remember Jesus said, don't, please do not share this with anyone. He couldn't help it. He had a contagious bug. He had to tell everybody about Jesus. And soon the crowd started flocking to Jesus and he had to move away from them. You'd be silent, but he couldn't. His faith was so infectious that the word spread like a germ, like a bad cold, like a hot rumour. Everybody caught it. The people came in from everywhere. And ever since then, those who've been touched by Jesus have gone out spreading germs of faith, joy, love and hope. Is that what's part of your life? The contagion of love, joy, peace, faith? We live in a contaminated planet. It contains contamination on every level. It should have been quarantined from heaven. 
no reasonable God would go near it with a 10-foot pole. But our God is not reasonable in that sense. And in Jesus, he became a human being, took on our uncleanness and our sin. And instead of the world infecting him, he infected the world and it's still spreading. Leo Buscaglia is known as Dr. Love in America. He was an author, motivational speaker, professor in the Department of Special Education at the University of Southern California. This is what he said, and I conclude with this. Too often we underestimate the power of a touch, a smile, a kind word, a listening ear. An honest compliment or the smallest act of caring. All of which have the potential to turn a life around. Pray for toddler jam. Not just toddler jam, but we focus there this morning. Because there's lots of little touches and hugs and care going on to a community of people who don't know Jesus. Pray that those things will grow like yeast and bring people into the kingdom. And if you want to just do something so small, join the team. Tim will have you, I'm sure. It's a wonderful place to do it. Let's pause. You reflect on what God's been speaking into your heart this morning. Father, thank you that you came to this contaminated world in your son Jesus. And thank you that you've cleansed us from our sin. Help us to be a people who will touch those around us, not just inside the family of God, but outside the family of God. With these little acts, these little touches, so that they get a glimpse of you. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name.